everybody this morning. The blood will never lose its power. We're glad to have you with us this morning. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us uh, there online, whether you're on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, any of those, be sure to like, to heart, to retweet, uh, subscribe there to YouTube, uh, and then share those uh, also so we can get the word out more. Uh, you can do that even from here as you hop on your phone real quick uh, to let others know where you are. Uh, and then also we have our phone live streaming, so I want to welcome those who are uh, listening on our phone live streaming service. Uh, if you know of someone who might be interested in that type of service who doesn't do the internet, it's a great resource. Uh, just have them to call the church office. We'll be glad to give them that number once they call in. Uh, they just push a button. Uh, I think it's one or two, something like, I think it's one. Uh, and then it'll automatically recall them every time that we go live. And so it's a great resource that we have there. Just encourage you to uh, call the church office. We'll be glad to give that number to you. Uh, and then also encourage you, if you're there at home, go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the about three or four tabs over, uh, and you'll find the info tab there. Uh, and then you can download our worship bulletin for today. If you need those in person, they're in the windowsills at the doors uh, as you came in or left this morning. If you need one, our ushers will be glad to come around and give you one, or you can get up and go get you one. Uh, but there's a lot of upcoming events, a lot of upcoming things you'll want to be aware of. So be sure to get one of those. Be sure to get it downloaded if you're at home. And then also you can download the children's worship bulletins that go along with today's sermon uh, for this morning service. Uh, you can send the link to anybody you want. And then the paper copies are over here if you're in person here and need those for your children also. But you can also download the prayer list there under that info tab too so that you can be following along and praying for each one who's on the prayer list. But it's good to see everybody that's here this morning. Looking forward to a wonderful, wonderful service uh, this morning. So Brother Mike, come and lead us. Well, that call to worship uh, just gets your blood to moving, doesn't it? That's, that's to get our hearts and our minds ready for what's coming next. So I want to put a plug in for Phil Sunday Sing, too, because we're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks. And, and uh, the instrumental part of that song we just heard, ooh, I love it. I love it when they start with just the instrumental and then it goes into the words. But uh, there's a lot of you that God's given talents to do stuff like that. So talk to us and let us know and come in here and, and, and let's, let's have a fun time of worship on Phil Sunday Sing. Uh, we have a good time. Take your hymnals and actually stand, if you will, with and join the choir and sing 192 soon and very soon.
come to see the king? Amen. Amen. Looking forward to that day, too. Uh, let me just bring your attention to our missionary moment uh, of the week. It's Robert and Danielle Kane. Uh, they are serving in Ohio. The area they're serving in is an affluent area. It's growing. Uh, it's a very fast-growing area there in Ohio. Uh, and we need churches in those areas also. And so they are planting some churches there. Uh, they have also used some events to reach out to people uh, through some uh, neighborhood picnics at a local park. Uh, they've had free hot dogs, snacks, and drinks, playing yard games, inviting people to come, just beginning to build those relationships uh, with people through that. And because of that, they've been able to lead people to faith in Christ and to baptize them and to set them on the road to discipleship. So we want to uplift Robert and Danielle Kane, who are serving uh, in Ohio, as well as all of our missionaries across North America and around the world. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for our missionaries this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the many blessings that you have given to us. We thank you uh, just for the opportunity and the privilege we have to come before your throne of grace. We don't deserve it, Lord. We're not worthy of it. We know, God, that it's only by your mercy and your grace that you have made that way for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to come and have that direct access to you. And so, Father, we just pray that we would not take that for granted, but that we would, Lord, come before you regularly. Lord, that we would come before you humbly. And, Lord, that we would come before you uh, just trusting and believing in the power uh, that you have to bring about your work and your way and your will in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we want to especially uplift Robert and Danielle Kane, who are serving in Ohio and the ministry they're doing there with the church plant. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will bless that church. Uh, we know they're probably not doing picnics right now in the winter, but Lord, we know there are other opportunities and other events that they are doing. And so, Father, I pray that uh, you would show them some of those things that they can be doing, open opportunities and, and pour out the, the blessings from the windows of heaven upon them uh, to provide the resources uh, as we give every Sunday in our tithes and our offerings. So bless our, our tithes and our offerings each Sunday uh, as a portion of that goes to support our missionaries on the field. But Lord, we pray for all of our missionaries serving across North America and around the world. Place a hedge of protection about them. Have your blessings upon them and use them, Lord, in your kingdom work in our place. May we continue to pray for them. May we continue to support them through our finances. And we just ask those things in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just encourage you. Uh, Brother Mike already said about the Fifth Sunday Sing that's coming up. Be sure to let us know about that. We'd love to have you uh, to join with us uh, for that event. There's a lot of other things that are in your bulletin there. Uh, just to let you know and remind you, uh, I'll be gone actually this week. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary. It was January 2nd, but we're going to be going off to celebrate that. And so I won't be here this Wednesday night, but I will be here on video uh, sharing the message. So just want to encourage you. Uh, come Wednesday night still, we still have Awana. Uh, we will still have the Bible study. It'll just be via the video uh, that I'll be sharing the message uh, with you. So I'll actually be recording that tomorrow. If anybody wants to come and join the audience tomorrow, you can come and do that tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but just wanted to let you know that come Wednesday night, uh, we're still going to have a blessed uh, service there. And uh, then also uh, don't forget those other events that are in your bulletin. Be sure to take a look at all those. You'll hear some more uh, at the very end. Brother Mike. Join us now by singing 206, Blessed Be the Name.
now as we uh, will have the children gather over here during this next song on the piano side, let's all stand and sing 410, It Is Well With My Soul. Please join. Ms. Rima.
to not fear and to have those encampments around you is to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me just share a couple of quick things as you're finding your scripture for this morning. It's in Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 20 through verse 37. We're actually just going to look at verse 28 down through verse uh, 32. And so let me just encourage you while you're looking there, I failed to mention this when I was mentioning uh, our missionary of the week. You'll notice in your bulletin, uh, right under the missionary of the week, there's a QR code. You can pull your phone out uh, and open your camera up and it hold it over that and it will take you to a website there to give you more information uh, about our missionaries. And so just wanted to make you aware uh, of that also. And then also, uh, because we're not having uh, full regular services Wednesday night, we won't be having choir practice, uh, but we'd encourage you to come and join us uh, the following Wednesday night. Uh, we have begun uh, uh, working already on our Easter program. Uh, it's a great time for you to come and join us. We're doing some special music that we're getting ready to sing at the end of the month. So you come and join us on Wednesday nights, just not this Wednesday night. So uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. Luke 17, verse 28 through verse 32. And let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. Beginning with verse 28. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning, I pray that you will use this passage to stir the hearts of every person who is here, whether they are someone who is never trusted by faith in Jesus, that they would hear the gospel message and come to faith today. Father, if we're here this morning and we've already made sure of our salvation, Father, I pray this message will stir our hearts also, because but by the grace of God, there go we also, just as Lot did in his life. So help us, Lord, to be faithful Help us to remain faithful to you, obedient to your word and to your truth. And help us, Lord, to be living witnesses of your power and your glory and your majesty that the world around us would know Jesus as their Savior. So bless this word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. <coughs> In American history, we have some famous phrases that have been used throughout the years to challenge people for various reasons and various causes. One of those phrases is the battle cry of Texas, remember the Alamo. Uh, one, of the one of the greatest, gallant, most gallant stands of courage and undenying self-sacrifices which has come down through the pages of history is in the defense of the Alamo. And it was the battle cry of remember the Alamo that later spurred the forces of Sam Houston at San Jacinto. Uh, another famous phrase in history was remember the Maine. 
You may have heard that in your history books also. It was the USS Maine uh, that was a United States Navy ship that sank in Cuba's Havana Harbor on February the 15th, 1898, uh, contributing to the outbreak of the Spanish-American War uh, in April of that year. U.S. newspapers, though, in trying to boost their circulations, uh, claimed that the Spanish were responsible for the ship's destruction. Thus, the phrase, remember uh, the Maine, uh, became a rallying cry for action, uh, although the Maine explosion uh, was not a direct cause, it served as the catalyst uh, that accelerated the events leading up to the war. Uh, you'll remember back in the beginning of 2000 or the middle of 2001, uh, you'll remember the phrase, remember 9-11. Uh, that was a phrase that many of us used and, and talked about in, in remembering the events, to never forget uh, what had happened. Uh, but there's another phrase that's given to us here in the Bible uh, as a rallying cry, and these are the words of Jesus, remember Lot's wife. So in this message today, we're going to be taking a look back, if you will, at Lot's wife and watch her as she foolishly ignores the voice of God. She bypasses every boundary that God uh, tries to place in her life to save her. And we're going to see that Lot's wife was as close as any person has ever lived to make it into heaven, but she comes one step short. Her husband was unquestionably a believer according to the New Testament, but we find no evidence that she ever trusted in the God of Abraham and of Lot. There's an old saying that rings true to this situation. Actions speak louder than words. And so the actions of Lot's wife tell us that she was an unbeliever. She had no regard for the word of God or in the saving of her soul. And this is one of the most saddest pictures of a sinner that you could see in seeing Lot's wife almost saved and yet lingering and looking backwards to Sodom and then being destroyed by the Lord. So three words of warning that I want you to remember, if you don't remember anything else this morning, that this will lead you to the rest of the truths here. Remember Lot's wife. But before we get into his wife, I want to take you back to Lot himself. To remember Lot's compromise to remember Lot's compromise. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn them over to the book of Genesis. Keep your finger there or a, or a bookmark or maybe even your bulletin uh, there in Luke chapter 19. We'll come back to that in, in a moment. But in Genesis chapter 19, we find out about this particular reference that Jesus is speaking about about Lot's wife. Now, there's a lot of several other passages we could look at in the history of Lot's life and leading him leading up to this point. We'll go over a few of those things just summarizing. Uh, but I want you to see what's happening here uh, in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1 down through verse 13. So if you would just read with me here. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered in his house, and he made a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot. They said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. 
Now, that was only a term that was ever used in a, in a marital relationship, to know your wife. And they want to know this person in that way, these people in that way, these angels. And so Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Horrible to offer your own daughters to these men who you know what they're going to do to her, to them. And he says, only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. And so they pressed hard against the man lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out, the angels did, with their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. That gives you kind of the background of where uh, this passage is coming from that Jesus is speaking about in the days of Lot and the way things were in his day and remembering about what happens that we're going to see in a moment with Lot's wife. Lot started out good. But he had chosen to go with his uncle Abraham uh, when they left the land of Ur of the Chaldees and then went to Haran. And then when God called Abraham at Haran and, and told him, I want you to get out of, out of the land of your kindred and to go to a place and I'm going to show you, uh, he went and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. Uh, and, and so Lot started out good. God had chosen Abraham and his family uh, when he was called and, and separated from his ancestors and led them apart to this land of Canaan. They weren't to go when they went to this land of Canaan. They weren't to go into any of the cities and, and mingle with the other uh, people, not because of anything to do with the color of their skin, but to do with the worship of their false gods, that God knew that would infiltrate and, into the, the nation that he was beginning to, to start here. And so God had chosen Abraham, and they were to go into, not to go into those cities. They were to dwell in tents, uh, to be a separate tribe, uh, lest their character should become polluted, lest their testimony should be silenced. And it was the Lord's intent that the people would dwell alone and not be numbered among the nations. Now Abraham being called obeyed and went forth not knowing where he was going because he kept himself separated from the world. His life was a great witness uh, to his faith and to the people around even with ne his nephew Lot. But his nephew Lot was he was greatly influenced as long as he was there with Abraham. Things were going great. His, his uh, livestock was prospering. He was gaining more and more uh, sheep as things were going along. Uh, he was sincere, uh, no doubt. He is justly called in the New Testament righteous Lot. Uh, but he was a follower rather than a leader. Uh, he also sojourned in tents and led a separated life until the point came where everything had become so much that his flocks and his herds uh, couldn't stay in the same place with Abraham. Uh, they had multiplied so much they couldn't be kept well together. And so Abraham approaches Lot, if you remember the story, and says, Lot, I want you to look out and choose where you go. You'll go there and I'll go somewhere else. Well, instead of Lot 
just saying, no, no, I want you to choose. You're the leader. You're the one who I've been following. Uh, he, he should have known this is the reason I've been being blessed because I've been with Abraham. I've been learning from him. I've been in the will of God because I've been close to him. But then comes out the weak character of Lot. He doesn't give Abraham a choice in selecting a better place. In fact, all he can think about is selfishly uh, what he wanted to his own advantage. And so he determines to go in the direction of the cities in the plains of Jordan. It was a place where it was well-watered pasture land. He looked at it and saw, man, this is a great place. My, my flocks and my herds can prosper in, in this area. And that led him, as the Bible tells us, to pitch his tent towards Sodom. He found it convenient to be settled, uh, to be near a settled people uh, and to enter friendly relations with them, even though he must have known what the men of Sodom were. I mean, they didn't wake up one morning and decide to come knocking on his door one night. They had been doing these kinds of things uh, all along. So he, he began to leave the separated path, uh, being separate from the world. Uh, he was a lover of the easy path, and so uh, he gives up the tent life of sojourning through the land, which is what God told them to do, uh, with all of its inconveniences, and he goes to live with the townspeople of Sodom. Now, understand about Lot, he doesn't cease to be a good man, but he ceases to be a faithful witness for his God. So Abraham uh, had looked at Lot as his heir. You remember he, he begins to question God. I thought Lot was going to be the one who my inheritance was going to pass to, but uh, obviously that's not the case. He's gone now. Uh, and then all that conversation comes along about how are we going to have a baby. Uh, and Sarah, uh, he tell, God tells Sarah that you're going to have a baby, and they laugh uh, and all of that. But Abraham had looked at Lot as his heir. But here's Lot who has forfeited that position, given up his portion in the inheritance when he quit that separated life. At one point, though, while, uh, while Lot is there in Sodom, there are some enemy kings who come uh, with their armies, and they take Lot away, capture him, and take him away prisoner. And you'll know in that story that Abraham comes and he delivers him from captivity that threatened him and brought him back again. Now, you would have thought that Lot would have had a light bulb click on and think, you know, I probably don't need to be hanging around these people of Sodom and all the things that they are doing and all the ungodly lifestyle that they're living. You would have thought that it would have got his attention and brought him back to living separate from the world like Abraham was doing. But he goes right back to Sodom, living among the influences of the world. Now, he's still a just man, but, he lo but God loved him too much to let him stay in that sinful place. And so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That was the focus of Lot. He just wanted to gain the whole world. He wanted more flocks. He wanted more herds. He wanted more things, more money. James chapter 4 verse 4 says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so Lot gives us the perfect example of a believer who felt he could do whatever he wanted to and yet somehow believed that the consequences of his poor choices would never come to haunt him. There's a lot of people who do that today. They live whatever way they want. They know what God's Word says. They know how they're supposed to live as a professing believer. 
But for whatever reason, they have chosen to believe that they can just do whatever they want and the consequences for their poor choices are never going to come. So he moves into Sodom, this wicked city, even by today's standards. Homosexuality was pervasive throughout the city to the point where strangers in town were, were often assaulted by gangs of homosexuals. It, it was a wealthy city that was built on hedonism, the passion of pursuing pleasure. And, and so while his uncle Abraham stays far away from the cities of the plain, Lot begins to slowly move closer and closer and closer until he finds himself living in Sodom and in fact he begins to hold a position a political office in town. Lot had always been attracted to getting the best of this world stuff and and that's why he parted from Abraham. He wanted the world's best. Now certainly Lot must have known that what he was doing was wrong but somehow he just continued to justify his choices that brought him more and more into the mentality and lifestyle of the world. So often we find ourselves in that same position trying to justify how we can live as close as we can to this world and yet still live for God. And God says you can't. You can't live for God and for money, for the things of this world. And so certainly Lot knew what he was doing was wrong. His poor choices were a gradual process. He doesn't backslide overnight. You don't decide one morning, hey, I'm going to go down to Sodom where all those homosexuals are and, and subject my family to all the ungodliness that's going on in Sodom. No, this was a gradual thing, one step at a time, uh, one move at a time, until finally he's surrounded by it all and his family is surrounded by it all. He may have even learned the art of justifying his actions uh, by spiritual reasoning. Like, like well, well, Sodom needs a believer to preach to them, doesn't he? And while that might have been true, the problem with Lot was that instead of living there to, to be an example and to be a witness to them, he was looking a lot more like them. And so Lot fit right into their lifestyle rather than challenging the lifestyle that they were living. It was quite clear that Lot was becoming more like them instead of them becoming like Lot. Again, that's the same way we approach so often. Sometimes you approach it even in a marriage thinking, well, I'll change him. I'll bring him to the Lord. Nine times out of ten, he's going to influence you and pull you away from the Lord. And that happens even in the world. Notice here, not even a single convert had been made in the entire time that Lot lived there. If there had been even one, God might have spared the city. How do we know that? Because if you go back to the chapter prior to this, in Genesis chapter 18, you'll find that Abraham is praying to God there for the city, that if he goes down through the numbers and finally comes down, Lord, if there's 10 righteous people in Sodom, would you save it? And God says, yes. And of all the thousands of people that were living there in Sodom, not even 10 could be found. Now think about that for just a moment. There's Lot and his wife and his two daughters and their two husbands. Not even 10. Couldn't even find four more. To make 10. There was Abraham who had been praying all that time and not even 10 were found. No progress had happened, only decline. 
And while we need to, do need to go where sinners are, we have to be careful that we don't live like sinners live. Jesus went where sinners uh, lived, but he was careful to be an example for them and to call them to repentance. Somehow, though, Lot had learned to blind himself to what he was doing and to what they were doing. In other words, he was compromising with sin. And compromising with sin will never let you be the winner. You'll always lose. You cannot win if you compromise with the devil. But next, we have the call to remember Lot's wife. In fact, that's what we really want to focus on in this passage is that word from Jesus. So let's move to his wife. Well, the Bible gives us these three words of warning for the last days. Uh, in fact, that's the context of what Jesus is giving these words. Remember Lot's wife. It isn't a battle cry for encouragement. It's a stern warning to make us to realize that this life that we are living is coming to an end one of these days. And so the word remember there implies to be mindful of, to, to call to one's mind or to hold in one's memory. You as a believer here this morning ought to always remember Lot's wife. In the Bible, we have some very familiar verses uh, to us. The shortest verse in the Bible is... Jesus wept. Everybody knows that one. Uh, kids in Sunday school know that. If you were in, ever in Bible drills in the, in the days before and you needed to memorize the scripture, that was the easy one to memorize. Well, this is the second shortest. Remember Lot's wife. So let's take a closer look at this uh, profound phrase and learn some important information from this text. The first thing I want you to see from this particular part of the text is that Lot's wife messed up. She messed up. I want you to see her look and her delay. Let's look back at the story of Lot and his family in Genesis 19 here. Abraham, we said, had just finished pleading with God. If he could just find 10 righteous men in Sodom, that God said he would spare the city, but 10 couldn't be found. So God sent his two angels. Let's read those verses again, verse 1 through verse 5. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. He was sitting in the gate of Sodom because he was a political officer there. He was a judge. And so when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we'll spend the night in the town square. But he knew, so this gives us the, the understanding here, he knew what went on in the town square. He knew what Sodom was like. He, he knew what the people were like. And he says, no, 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 no. You don't need to stay in the town square. Bad things happen in the town square. You need to come to my house. Uh, and so he pressed them strongly. And so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. But before they lay down, here come those men of the city. And they're pounding at the door. It says even to the people to the last man, every man in town is standing around outside surrounding this house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. But Lot refused. And he told them to take his daughters instead. Just as they were about to break in, the angels pull Lot back and they strike those men with blindness. And then verse 15 says that after the dawn, morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, 
Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. So in other words, punishment is coming to Sodom. What I want you to do is to get yourself and get your family out of here or you're going to be, be recurring this, incurring this judgment upon you also. But notice verse 16. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, these two angel men, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out and said, uh, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills lest the disaster, the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, the city is near enough, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. Verse 21. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. So get that picture in your head. I can't do anything. I can't bring this judgment on Sodom until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of that city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And then Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had been standing before the Lord, pleading before the Lord for Sodom, that he would spare his hand of judgment there if he could just find ten. And he goes back to that place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked down towards Sodom, in verse 28, and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. What a story. The Lord had sent these two angels down to Sodom, and their number one task was to get any righteous souls out of Sodom. And, and so these angels we saw there, they had informed Lot. They had told his wife. They had told his daughters, his married daughters, his sons-in-laws, uh, that destruction and death is coming. That is the message today, is that God's judgment is coming. And you better be ready when that day comes. And so we see that, that they warn here, and we see uh, Lot's married daughters and their husbands, uh, they thought he was joking. And they weren't going to leave Sodom, so they were going to be left behind. And as the time drew nearer and nearer, what do you see in the passage happening here? You see the angels going to them and, and taking them by the hand and almost literally dragging them out of the city and, and taking them outside the city. They take Lot and his wife, his two daughters by the hand, literally dragging them. Nothing said about the sons-in-laws. Four of them received, the four of them received two distinct warnings. Escape for your life and don't look back. Two simple things that they had to do. Get out of here as fast as you can. Escape for your life 
and don't look back. This was very simple. And yet, for some reason, Lot's wife didn't think that that warning was that big of a deal. Lot's wife messed up as she turned around and she looked back and she saw all that was going on there with God's judgment. We can assume that she looked back for a very specific reason, which we'll see in the coming verses, but in the end, she tragically messed up. Go back to Luke 17, verse 30. Keep your finger there in Genesis. We'll come back there again. But in Luke 17, 30, it says about those days of Lot, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed, Luke 17, 30. Verse 31 says, On that day, let the one who is on the housetop and with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field do what? Not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. That's the setting that we're given this phrase, remember Lot's wife. This woman was dragged out of Sodom physically, but not emotionally. This angel had taken her body from Sodom, but her heart was still back there in Sodom. It seems as if Lot's wife delayed leaving Sodom and looked back because she desired something that was still back there in Sodom. I wonder, what is it that will keep some of us out of heaven? What is worth a person holding on to that would send you to hell? Remember Lot's wife. She messed up. Not only did she mess up, but we see Lot's wife missed out. We see her loss and her demise. Lot's wife disobeyed the simplicity of the angel's command to leave and to flee. She did that, although not willingly at first. And she's on her way, but she couldn't stop from looking back. Think about it. In that simple moment of looking back, her soul was doomed to a sinner's hell. She not only messed up, but she missed out. And in the end, she had her name blotted out. You see, we live today in an age of passivity and permissiveness, but God isn't passive, nor is he permissive with a sinful world. If you choose to dismiss the gospel of Jesus Christ and you walk away from it, he will not force you to become a believer. He wasn't forcing her. He got her out of the city to spare her life, but the rest was her choice. She chose to look back. It was her choice that sent her to hell, not God. In the end, Lot's wife missed out, and she was turned into this pillar of salt as her husband and her two uh, daughters here ran for their lives. But the text says, remember Lot's wife. Remember that. She was Lot's wife. We don't even know what her given name was. We know Abraham's wife was Sarah. We know Isaac's was Rebecca. We don't know what Lot's wife's name was. She was just Lot's wife. One commentator said this. Let me read what, she, what he said. He said, she was the wife of a man who with all his faults was a righteous man. She was united to him in the closest possible bonds, and yet she perished. She had dwelled in tents with holy Abraham and seemed to be a sharer in all the privileges of the separated people, and yet she perished. She was dear to one who had been dear to the father of the faithful, and yet for all that she perished 
in our sin. This note of warning, this commentator said, we would strike very loudly for commonplace as the truth is. It needs often to be repeated that ties of blood are no guarantee of grace. You may be the wife, he said, of a saintly man of God and yet be the daughter of Bilal. Or you may be the husband of one of the king's daughters and yet yourself be a castaway. You may be the child of a prophet and yet the curse of a most, uh, of a most gracious family and yet will still be an alien to the commonwealth of Israel. No earthly relationship can possibly help us if we are personally destitute in the spiritual life. He said our first birth doesn't avail us or give us, get us into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh, as its very best, is flesh and is prone to sin and will certainly perish. Understand this, you can enjoy all sorts of Christian privileges and yet be unsaved. You can come to the Lord's house, you can partake of the Lord's supper, uh, you can yet be unsaved. You can have a Christian spouse, you can have Christian parents, you can live in a Christian home, in a Christian community, but if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you will die and perish in hell. You may even say, Jesus says, you may even say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name and we did that in your name, but you're going to hear him say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Remember Lot's wife. She messed up. She missed out. But one final thing I want you to see in remembering Lot's wife. She was almost, almost saved. She went some way toward being saved. So far, she believed the message that came to her about the destruction of the city. So much that she got up. She rises up with her husband, rises up with the daughters, uh, and, and she's with those Two angels basically drug out of the streets, passed through the city gate. They reached the open plain with her husband. They let him go and they tell him, get out of here and don't look back. And she was willing for a while to run with him, following his example. She did so for a considerable distance till she began to think over what she was doing and to consider what she was leaving. And then she slowed her pace and she lingered about. Because remember, the angel said, I can't do anything till you come to that city, Zoar. She's not just a few hundred yards outside of Sodom. She's almost to Zoar. Remember, she did go part of the way towards safety, and yet she perished. And so many may go part of the way toward Christ, and they go a little way out of the world, but if their hearts still linger with the ungodly, they will still perish. There's one very sober thought, that is, that the angel's hand had pressed her wrist. The angels had touched her and touched those daughters and touched Lot. And you see the impact that it has on Lot and on the daughters. They don't look back. They keep on going. She was touched, if you will, uh, by the very hand of God. Verse, 19, verse 16 of Genesis 19 says, But he, even though he was also touched, it says he lingered. So the men seized him, grabbed him, grabbed his wife, grabbed his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to them, and brought him out and set him outside the city. 
See, Lot had lingered. The men had laid hold upon his hand, laid hold of his wife. So it specifically says the angel's hand had pressed her wrist. She had gone a little way under the angel's constraint, and yet she perished. The worst part, perhaps, about the perishing of Lot's wife is this, that she perished in the very act of sin. In the instant that she turned her head, she became a pillar of salt. It's a dreadful thing to die in the very act of sin. Memorialized forever, looking back. Disobedience to God. We don't know what happened to that pillar of salt. Could have washed down over the years. This woman was actually out of Sodom. She was almost in Zoar, the city of refuge. And yet she perished. Now, how near she was to the city of escape, we don't know specifically, but she was certainly almost there, and yet she perished. Almost saved, but not quite. Let me repeat those words because they may describe somebody who is here today or someone who is watching online, and they may be the epitaph on your tombstone of your life. Almost saved, but not quite. Jesus uses Lot's wife to remind those in the first century and us of the consequences of poor choices. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. In other words, don't forget the price of turning back. Don't think that it can't happen to you and that you'll somehow be the exception to God's rule. Lot stayed away from God's presence much too long. And the effects were huge on his family and his fortune. And so Jesus uses this story as a wake-up call to those of the last days, the days of Christ coming again. That's the whole context here of, of telling us to remember Lot's wife. This means that in the last days of time, the circumstances are going to be similar to the days of Lot. The temptation is going to be strong to live for this world and only light for the Lord. Life is full of choices. And even Christians can make poor choices. And then they too will experience the consequences of those poor choices. Understand this, there is no good way to escape God's judgment except through obeying his word and receiving Jesus as your Savior. Let me ask you this morning, do you hear this wake-up call by Jesus? Are you going your own way while trying to confess being a Christian so that you make it to heaven while your heart is really more committed to this world than to his word? How much are you living for him? How much are you living for you? Do you think you can keep ignoring the things of God and it not have any effect on you? Understand this, you're wrong. Remember Lot's wife. And don't let the epitaph on the tombstone of your life be almost saved, but not quite. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these three precious but powerful words. Remember Lot's wife. She almost made it. Lord, there are some who are here this morning that they've almost made it.
They've been touched by your spirit. They've heard your word. They maybe have heard the gospel over and over that you loved us and sent your son Jesus to live a perfect sinless life in our place so that he could die on the cross for us to take the punishment for our sin and then to be buried in a tomb and arise on the third day to have victory over death, hell, and the grave and to give us eternal life. And yet there are some who are here this morning, some who are watching online, You've heard it over and over, and you continue to choose to not listen, to reject the Word of God. Father, I pray this morning that your Spirit will speak this truth into people's hearts. Lord, that they will see and that they will know that you have made a way for them. And Father, I pray that it would not be able to be said of them almost saved, but not quite. Lord, I pray they would take that one last step. If she had taken that, those last steps and to the city of Zoar and never looked back, a different story we would be learning about Lot's wife. But because she looked back and disobeyed, her life is immortalized as she was caught in her sin. Lord, one of these days, every one of us are going to draw our last dying breath. And I pray, God, that it's not in the moment of a sin that we're immortalized in what we were doing in turning our backs on you. Father, I pray today that we would get our hearts right with you. Lord, that we would hear the call upon our hearts to come to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that if we're here as believers Father, I pray that you would lay upon our hearts the, the burden and the urgency to make sure that we are close to you rather than far from you, that we're being like Abraham. And Lord, also uh, that we are telling others and warning others about what is coming, the impending doom, the impending judgment, that if we continue down this path, it will bring God's judgment. So, Lord, I pray this morning that we as believers will be witnesses of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love, that he loves us too much to leave us in our sin. And that's why he sent Jesus. So, Father, I pray this morning that we would renew our faith and our walk with you. And may you have your way and your will in our lives for your kingdom's sake to make the greatest impact we can for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 320, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Would you do that as you come this morning for salvation, for church membership, just to pray, whatever you do. Uh, Brother Mike, come and lead us. Would you come this morning?
Stan has an announcement in place of Matt, please. Pastor Matt had to step out. If you have a student going to Center Kid or the youth church camp, please let the church or Matt know this week so we can get them a reservation, a spot reserved. And once we get that done, we can settle up a payment later. But please let the church know or Pastor Matt know if your student's going to church camp or youth camp this week. This, just let us know, please. Thank you. I would encourage each one of you to read the announcements in the bulletin. But one particular one is sort of urgent in that it's Rick Miller has a men's Bible study that's going to start this afternoon at 5 o'clock. So please, if you can, men, show up at 5 o'clock upstairs room 201 and I would encourage each one of us to get a, a prayer concern there on the table across from the pastor's office there and uh, these are uh, put out each week or updated each week two that are not on there that I was asked to bring to your attention are simply uh, Tony Rogers and Regina's son Justin Rogers in the hospital and they're out there with him waiting for their test so we need to be in prayer for Justin Rogers and also Matthew Ratcliffe which is uh, one of Ella's friends we've asked to pray for him those are two that are not on the on the prayer list and also we need to be in prayer in particular for Samantha's <clears throat> sister whose husband has had a stroke in Mississippi, and uh, her sister certainly needs prayer as she's attending to him. So those are the three that I wanted to bring to your attention. Are there any others, uh, announcements that anyone has? If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Your most, <clears throat> most gracious and heavenly fathers, we humbly come to you in prayer at the close of this service. We just thank you once again for this Lord's Day and for all our many, many blessings. We thank you for each person here and we thank you for this special time that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to, to worship you. May we lift all our prayer concerns that we know about up to you, Heavenly Father, and that we know that they, you will hear each one of our prayer concerns. May we, Heavenly Father, just once again, thank you for all our many, many blessings. And as we leave your home or house this morning, may we continue to pray each day for a nation, for a church, and for each other. And as always, we just thank you for the privilege of prayer and the power of prayer and for you hearing our prayers. In Christ's holy name we do pray. Amen. Amen.